This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to The Bunker with me, Ahir Shah. For this week's Bunker, we begin a special limited series on the metaverse. 30 years after the word was coined by science fiction author Neil Stevenson in his novel Snow Crash, the metaverse has become a 21st century buzzword. Facebook have renamed themselves Meta to stay at the forefront of what they see as the new digital evolution, and a study by research company Gartner predicts that a quarter of people will spend at least an hour a day in the metaverse by 2026. But how will the metaverse change the way we live? What would a meta day look like? To give us a picture of what a quote-unquote normal day in the metaverse future might be, we're joined by Charles Arthur. Charles is a technology, science and health journalist with over 20 years experience, having taken up roles as technology editor for The Guardian and Independent. He is also the author of three books, the most recent being Social Warming, The Dangerous and Polarizing Effects of Social Media. Charles, welcome to The Bunker. Thanks, here. Great to be here. Charles, could you start off by telling us what what is, or indeed what could be, the metaverse? It's a really good question. There are sort of two conflicting visions of, of how this all works. So the first one is the William Gibson coined phrase of cyberspace, which he described as a consensual hallucination, you know, the idea hmm. that you're in this, this big space. And then Neil Stevenson, of course, uh, slightly later with uh, Snow Crash, not many years later, uh, had the metaverse, which was very similar, where people have their own personalities, where they can, in effect, live parallel lives to the ones that they're living in real reality, where you drop things on your foot and it actually bleeds. And then, of course, the more familiar one, maybe, for a lot of people, would be what they saw in uh, Ready Player One, which started out as a book, um, but then Steven Spielberg made it into a big hit film, where, again, people are donning virtual reality helmets, and they're living parallel lives to the ones that they they live in their flesh and blood existences, and, and then are almost surprised by how people look when they see them without their helmets on. So the metaverse really is an idea of a shared space where you all are seeing the same thing, even if that thing isn't actually in a physical world. It's, it's the idea of coming together, sharing a space, uh, a virtual space, even if you might be remotely a long way apart. That sounds wonderful. I would personally love to share hallucinations. I once saw myself being taken care of by a friendly lion. <laughs> Hell of a drug. Uh, so before we get lost in our imaginations, I think we should ground ourselves in reality for a second. So Charles, at the moment, where is the metaverse and all of this technology at? 
It's a bit like flying cars in as much as, you know, everyone expected that we'd have flying cars and instead we got Twitter. The reality tends to be that virtual reality is generally thought of as a key part of this. You have to have the virtual reality headset so that you can have the shared vision of what you're doing. It's a bit unsatisfactory if you're just doing it on your laptop. That's a bit sort of like Zoom. It's not quite the same. So uh, Facebook in particular, which owns a company called Oculus, has been working very hard on having virtual reality headsets that should be light and comfortable. They tend not to be, which you can wear for extended periods so that you all see this. Virtual reality is an idea that's been around for ages, and I tried some of the very first virtual reality headsets back in the tail end of the 80s when they used to be for games. You could go to Leicester Square in London, and there were virtual reality games you could play, which mostly consisted of uh, fighting off uh, pterodactyls. So it was sort of like Jurassic World, but rather fewer pterodactyls and no T-Rexes at all, but it was quite fun didn't quite survive. The trouble was they couldn't make enough money out of it. So that went away. It seemed to come back again a few years ago. It looked like virtual reality was on the rise. PlayStation VR from Sony was quite tempting. But the trouble with virtual reality games, which is where you'd expect it to take off, is that a lot of people find that it's not attractive enough. They can get a bit uh, seasick because you get motion sickness uh, as you move around and, and things don't move as quickly as your head moves, which is a, a constant problem with VR. And also, it's just quite expensive. And, and the games tend not to be up to it because a lot of these games companies can't quite see past the, the things that they're doing for TVs. They can't think of immersive games that, that are as good. So the whole space has been very focused around games initially. And for Facebook to say, oh, we're going to take it into the business world. It's going to be something where you have your office meetings remotely, you do it all together like that, is quite a brave step, I guess you would say. But equally, it's the one where companies can afford the equipment. They tend to have remote locations that need to be brought together. In that sense, it makes sense to target businesses, as Facebook or Meta is doing, rather than the games market. Assuming that these problems with technologies uh, and seasickness and whatnot are sorted in the future, how does a day in the metaversal world start? You know, like like a lot of our listeners, and perhaps like you, one of the first things I do when I wake up is reach for a smartphone. Is the idea that ultimately we'll just be reaching for a headset, or would we even wake up in it? It's a good question. I mean, it, it, to some extent, it's the it's the base question, isn't it? Is is what are you really going to do? Are you going to be willing to get into that shared, consensual, weird illusion, or are you actually going to want to step in and out of it? If you think about people wanting to go the whole way, then yeah, the first thing they might do is reach for that and put their headset on, possibly because the reality that they face is just so horrible. You know, the house is cold, the roof is leaking, and uh, if you put your headset on, then everything's nice. But the suspicion is that it's going to be much more a work thing, that uh, actually, when you wake up, the first thing you will do is, you know, reach your phone, go and maybe make a cup of coffee, and that your commute will be basically to walk to your, you know, study or the kitchen or whatever, and put on your headset there. And that's when the meeting starts. So rather than having to sit on the train for a couple of hours, and, uh, you know, take the underground or walk to work, you'll just put your headset on. And that's where everything will start. And that's the sort of vision that Facebook is trying to push. The idea is that, you know, you could do these meetings and Facebook is pushing it pretty hard. Nick Clegg, who is very much the uh, the representative on earth for all the top people at Meta or Facebook, 
has been doing interviews in the metaverse. He did a, a fascinating interview a few months ago with Henry Mance, uh, where you know they both donned these headsets. And Clegg was very apologetic about the fact that he didn't have any legs, but though I suspect a lot of people would be quite happy with the Nick Clegg who can't run anywhere. This is a bit <laughs> the Daleks, you know, can't get up the stairs. The legs are a now problem. The spine used to be a problem. It's so much easier if you're just if you just look like a weeble, you know, the sort of round, <laughs> round bottom sort of thing. The day in the metaverse is much more one of meetings, of jumping in and out of meetings, of uh, you know, rather as as it has been through the pandemic of Zoom calls for this, Zoom calls for that. You're jumping around from here to there. You would be doing the same thing. You might be able to get some idea of the person, but whether you'd have an actual representation of what they really look like, you know, would, the, would there be a camera that was on their face or a representation of their face, or would you still be this cartoonish figure? Uh, as you see in the metaverse things now, I think that's that's an open question. I think we'd probably like it if people looked more like they really look, you know. So you have a sort of an admixture of Zoom plus the metaverse stuff, but the computational power that you require to do that, and also be able to move so that when your head moves, the scenery moves, which is the problem that causes motion sickness. And and you know the the big assumption of that you, that you said of you know assuming we get the motion sickness thing solved, well. Okay, they've been trying to do that for a long time, and it's actually much harder than it seems. If you can get past that, if you can get to the meetings thing, if you can you know, set schedules up so that you can move between these things seamlessly, if you can get an internet that's fast enough, reliable enough, then yes, all these things become possible. You might actually find it's preferable, you know, not having to, to go on a commute, not having to, to lose so much time doing that could be a lot better than and slogging through trains and, you know, all the people giving you their cold because they're so generous. <laughs> so if the idea is that the metaverse is going to have the biggest impact, I guess, in our professional lives, and perhaps in a few years, you and I would be having this conversation with our Oculus headsets on and feeling as though we're in the same space, it will presumably also have a large impact on our social lives. And just the level of virtual relationships and like what are the implications likely to be for the way that we interact with one another? That's a really big question as well, because if you think about it, a lot of our relationships that we build are with people who we work with because, you know, you have a shared interest or a shared hate if, you know, if you don't like the person you're working for. That means that a lot of our strong relationships are actually built up at work. And, you know, you can, there are so many marriages that have come about because people meet at work. You know, that was that was the case for me. I, I know loads of other people for whom it's the case. If you're not actually physically going to meet people, if you're not in the same physical space as them, if so many of your work meetings are actually meetings that you do remotely, then that shifts all those strong social ties away from a shared physical space where you create something for work to all the social space and time that you have outside work. You know, all the time that you're not having to use for commuting now becomes time that you spend in your local neighbourhood. And there are interesting implications there, I think, for how we would live our lives. And to some extent, what we've seen with the pandemic, though, of course, you know, not lockdown, but what we've seen sort of as we emerged from that, as people were able to be more social, say, in the summer of 2021, but weren't going to work, I think those sorts of shifts in how people think about where their ties are, where their social relationships are, I think that all becomes much more important. And we would become more grounded about 
the place where we live. And that might mean that people are a lot more choosy, actually, about the neighbourhoods that they move to because Mm. your work and going for a drink after work or a meal after work with people from work, meeting up with people from work, all those things start to go away a bit. Right, Okay. So the metaverse means a much stronger relationship with our neighbours, which means that this thing will absolutely, without question, never take off in Britain. Uh, (laughs) My suspicion, in a way, with the metaverse is that uh, the things that you're describing, are like basically, I worry that the thing's just going to end up being used for work and porn. Is that a reasonable worry? Oh, yeah. I mean, everything gets used for work and porn in the end, doesn't it? So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, uh, I, I think we take that as a given. I mean, work, porn and games. You know, don't, don't overlook right. games in this. Because, you know, to some extent, the only place where, well, you know, the metaverse, the metaverse is already happening in games. You know, you get people playing Call of Duty online and they're, they're creating teams online. You get people playing Fortnite online, they're creating teams teams in there. You know, in what way is that not a sort of a metaverse thing, apart from the fact they're not wearing a headset? We overlook games too easily, I think. And actually, they tend to be a precursor of, of what's going to happen. I find it interesting. So I've got uh, school-aged children. And when Fortnite was gigantic, that was their way of socializing with their friends after school when they were you know outside school was... They would, they would go to their respective homes, but they'd all get together and play Fortnite. So that becomes, you know, a, a way of strengthening the ties. And it could be that actually, you know, a, a metaverse that sort of trickles down, that, that, that becomes something that even sort of school-aged people or people who are a university or whatever, that, that they could start to use that as well. And a lot of companies are trying to push this. They're trying to create all sorts of ways in which people can be using a metaverse that isn't work-related. So uh, companies such as, one, there's one called Yuga Labs, which has been building a metaverse which is all about NFTs. And you know, don't, don't ask me why anyone would put any sort of money into that. But somehow people are, and they seem to think that people will go and you know, hang out and have virtual parties in the metaverse, you know, in a very sort of Ready Player One sort of way. Might happen might just be a thing you know, only for the very geeky nerds who are you know, socially awkward in real life but um, are able to sort of get it together when they're, when they're doing it on the screen. I mean, you, you sort of see that. People who have enormous confidence online but are, are just uh, terribly shy when they're trying to meet you in person. So We've all been on Twitter. Everyone's all mouth and no trousers. Exactly. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's interesting. Before coming into this conversation, I assumed that if something like the metaverse became part of our daily lives, it would lead to us becoming increasingly atomized and moving away from one another. But it seems like the way that you're describing it, you think it might actually bring us together just in different ways. Is that the case? I think so. I mean, humans are social animals. We like to do things in groups if we can. 
you don't have to be sort of naturally enormously gregarious just to actually enjoy the company of other people. And it's nicer to do that in person than to try to do it online, even if you're wearing a, a yeah, if you're wearing a headset, it is a bit of a disintermediator. I think that it'll just make things reflow in a different way. I mean, I could be horribly wrong. Maybe everyone will just want to, you know, wear their headsets all day long and and just sit in sort of tiny little cubes. But, you know, if you take it back to Snow Crash, which is the other uh, sort of general alternative, there are these two entirely parallel worlds going on. There's, there's sort of big fights in the metaverse, and then there's big fights uh, happening in the real world. And, of course, it's the real world ones which are consequential because you can get knocked down in the metaverse. It doesn't really matter. In the end, the one that actually people go to, that they gravitate to, is the real world because that's where things are consequential. You've used the phrase that like metaverse and real world. Is it the case that we could ever get to a situation where we are unable to discern the reality from the meta, you know, like, and, and we would think, well, the matrix is the obvious uh, example, where that is to all intents and purposes, the real world? Yeah, the matrix is, is sort of the, the very extreme example. But, but the thing where you start to mix the real world and the virtual world is what's called augmented reality. And all the indications are that both Facebook slash Meta and Apple and to some extent Google are all trying to develop uh, augmented reality glasses. So this would be something that you would you would put on and it would display not only what's in front of you, but also it would overlay a virtual layer which would have objects in it that you might be able to manipulate or which would move according to what other people tell it to do. So you'd have a, an extra layer. An illustration would be you're in a, a city you've never been to, uh, you put on your augmented reality glasses, and it shows you Wikipedia details about an interesting tourist hotspot, or it shows you signs for how to get to your hotel, uh, you know, sort of layered on the ground to so that you can figure out where to walk. That's much more, I think, where this would go if you're talking about a, a sort of not being able to distinguish between the virtual and the real. That sort of overlay of the virtual and the real could, in the end, I think, be a much more powerful way of experience in the metaverse because it takes a bit less cognitive load. You know, you're, you're not actually making such a big difference. You're, you're still seeing what's in front of you, but equally you're just adding to it and you're, and you're enhancing it a bit. You know, if you say you're sitting at your kitchen table for this metaverse meeting, if the people were uh, sort of shown sitting around your kitchen table, I think you might find that easy to understand than mm. if you're in some really bizarre boardroom style thing where, you know, everyone is a, is a curve and they don't have any legs and uh, they all seem to have rather weird uh, sort of Tonka toy computers in front of them. I, I think that actually augmented reality has a greater possibility of making it more accessible, more acceptable. But at yeah. the moment, all the talk is about virtual reality and a metaverse that is entirely separate from the real world. So it seems like if the metaverse does become a part of our daily lives, it will almost like augment the advantages that the internet has brought to us. But of course, as those advantages have come, so have disadvantages, you know, like on the one hand, yes, you can work remotely because you've got Zooms and maybe that will be improved by being able to use a headset. But there's also the fact that people feel always on, as it were, because they're always reachable by work. And, you know, with you were describing children being able to play Fortnite after school and make social connections, but 
it also means that if there are problems at school, it doesn't necessarily get left at the gates. What are some of the dangers and disadvantages that you think we might need to head off in the world of the metaverse if it does come into our daily lives? I think the obvious dangers are that if it's taken up as a work thing, then yeah, it becomes difficult to escape. And especially for anyone who works for a multinational or a company that has outlets in multiple time zones, you get the problem of, well, they want to have a meeting at this time, which is convenient for them, which is fabulously inconvenient for you, but you're stuck and you have to actually turn up for it in effect because you're always on, because the you know, the headset is on your kitchen table and so you can't escape it. I think that would be the immediate problem. I think the possibility of uh, motion sickness of just sort of long-term tiredness, headaches from systems that aren't quite up to scratch, uh, which you know is going to be the case initially as, as people sort of roll them out eagerly and, you know, rather like the first PCs, they're sort of okay, but quite a lot of people got RSI in their wrists and so on because they weren't familiar with with using them. I think you, you could get the same sort of effect of eye strain, of headaches, of migraines, even from whatever sort of effects people get from the flashing lights and so on inside the headsets. There's always a possibility that people would just start to to use them and, and wouldn't come out, which which again to some extent is the the Ready Player One scenario. And and the you know the, it's worth rewatching, I guess, not not just for the sort of entertainment of it, but for the sort of the how would this be a bad thing sort of thing? And, and there, are, there are elements of, of that film where people have shown basically having to work, slog away in the metaverse um, to, to earn money for a big corporation. And it's not a very fun life for them. And, and you know, in, in some ways, that's a, that's a sort of warning sign, which is worth listening to. Over the course of this conversation, we've discussed a bunch of films, and I've thought about a bunch of films. You know, there's Ready Player One, of course. And then when you talked about people getting addicted to this and maybe we become very sedentary and I was thinking of like the people in Wally or when you talked about mm. the augmented reality glasses and having people around your kitchen table I thought of when they put on the glasses in Kingsman and all the other people are around that table and so I guess my question is like do you think this will actually happen or is it just something that is in the world of science fiction and maybe like you know nuclear fusion is always 20 years away or 10 years away or whatever it is but we never seem actually to get there you're asking me to make a prediction, and my predictions are notoriously 50-50. Um, will it ever? I mean, Facebook is throwing a lot of money at it. You know, it's throwing literally billions of dollars at this every year. If it's going to happen, they're going to damn well try their very best to make it happen. And Apple, too, is putting a lot of money into it. We don't know exactly how much uh, into the augmented reality glasses idea, which, which I think is a bit more accessible, at least. Because, you know, you look, look at the number of people walking along the streets, gazing at their smartphone, inches away from walking into lampposts. And you think that if they were wearing augmented reality glasses, at least they might have their heads up. Is it going to happen? It's going to happen if it makes things easier for enough corporations. And you see the way that Zoom took off and has, although it's fallen back, has become embedded in the culture in the business culture now, you know, people say, oh, I'll send you a Zoom link, you know, we'll do it. Mm. And there's no sort of, oh, well, I, I can't actually get to you. It's, oh, it's just a bit too far. Oh, the traffic's terrible. Oh, my car breakdown. Yeah, there's none of that. It's like, we'll do a Zoom link. The meeting will happen. So once you can start to assume that people will have one of these headsets, once companies start issuing them because something happens and everyone has to say inside, you know, 
God forbid that it's for some bad reason, like Russia dropping a nuke or something. But once that starts to happen, once it becomes embedded in the culture, then it's absolutely inevitable. It's a bit like fax machines. You know, back in the day, having a fax machine was a bit of a, wow, you got a fax machine. And then it became completely standard and everyone had a fax machine. And if you if you didn't have a fax machine, you were a bit weird. And then, of course, they went away. But there's always this sort of technological hump. And once you get over that, then it tends to be very much downhill and everything just flows from there. So the question is, what is the hump? And I think the hump is, is the technology good enough that it doesn't give motion sickness, that there's not enough lag, that you don't get people's internet connections die in the middle of it, and then do enough companies find enough value in it? You know, And that's the difficult thing is to know how much extra value do you get from doing a metaverse meeting from doing a Zoom meeting. And I guess what our reaction to it as well is, right? Like, because when I remember when Google Glass, where they tried to make that a thing, there was a very like visceral no human beings do not like this thing reaction. Yeah. And I mean, the trouble with that was that they were trying to do augmented reality glasses. They promised the sun, the moon and the stars with that thing. It was going to you know, do the thing where it would show you which tube station to get on it, and which entrance to go down and all that sort of thing. Never came anywhere close to that. The best you could do was a Google search on what is the Eiffel Tower. Um, but it could take pictures... <laughs> <laughs> it's literally true. I tried it out and it was awful. But it could take pictures and video. You know, you'd look like the Terminator with this big red glowing thing over your eye. And people naturally rather took against it and saw zero value in it. There was no value for the wearer and no value for the person being watched. So so that just went away. I mean, the metaverse, you know, the whole VR helmet thing is a much more closed system in that sense. So you don't feel observed. It's uh, if anything, your problem is someone comes in while you're having a big meeting, steals your TV and, and walks out the door and you're none the wiser. <laughs> the question is, you know, how much better are these metaverse meetings than uh, than a Zoom meeting or the others? And if that gets unlocked, if, if they find that that actually works better, then it's all going to start happening. Then, then you know, it'll be over the hump and it'll really start to, to roll downhill and uh, it'll be everywhere. But if they don't get past that, then it'll stall and Facebook will have spent a lot of money on doing nothing. If it does happen, Charles, will you be the first to join in life in the metaverse or will you sort of run off to the woods while we all experience our descent into a Ready Player One dystopia? I'm somewhere in the middle. I think I'll I'll be the person waiting to see how bad all the headaches and the eye strain and the and the things like that are. I'm I'm not an early adopter generally in these things. I took ages before I got a smartphone. Weirdly, which and everyone said, but you're a you're a technology journalist. How was this nice? But no, I don't know. Just just take my time on this. So I won't be battering down the doors or the virtual doors or whatever it is for this. I'll uh, I think I'll I'll wait and see. Well, Charles, thank you very much for joining me on The Bunker, and I hope that when we next speak, be it in person or in the metaverse, we will be legless like Nick Clegg. <laughs> Thanks very much, Ian. Thank you for listening to The Bunker, and if you enjoyed this episode, please consider backing us on Patreon. Search Bunker Patreon Podcast to find out more, and we'll be back tomorrow for another edition of The Bunker. The, 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 bunker. the Bunker Daily's Metaverse Week on presented... The group editor was Andrew Harrison. The lead producer was Jacob Jarvis. And the producers were Jacob Jacob, Jacob Archbold, Yelma Sofronievich, and me, Alex Reese. Fitter, happier, 
more productive. By by Enix Production Ganatra. The system. Original music. By Jay Jay. Jade Berlin. The bunker. Is it? <laughs>